Hello and welcome to another Perusia Hour. I'm Shavil Raish and I've a very good friend of mine and special guest uh, who's now a doctor, Dr. Andrew Wood. He joins me uh, right now uh, for this podcast. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Shavil. How are you going? Yeah, doing really well. Um, this is your first official interview for this new podcast series we've got. Uh, and I'd love just a, just a very brief background about who you are, your upbringing, um, you know, uh, and and sort of how you got involved with uh, yeah, your work you're doing as well. Yeah, look, I was born into a Catholic family. Um, you know, mum and dad sent me to a Catholic school thinking that I'd get a decent Catholic education as they did uh, back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, and to their surprise, they, they knew that something was wrong, but they didn't really know what it was. Um, and then towards, uh, in year 10, I, I uh, to cut a very long story short, I uh, had the great fortune to come in contact with St. Alphonsus Liguri. And um, I picked up some of his books and started reading them. And just, you know, I wasn't a, a reader at all of those, in those days. I actually hated reading. <laughs> and um, St. Alphonsus uh, really got me reading and reading very good material. I think the first book that I read was Preparation for Death. Um, by San Alfonso, oh, and that wow. really just uh, told me a lot about life and um, its beauty and its importance, uh, which I probably wasn't really taking um, too seriously at that time. And um, anyway, I, I, I kept on buying books by San Alfonso's Liguri over the phone. My, my dad, God bless him, he um, he forbade me from reading religious books because <laughs> he, thought he just thought I was going to become a fanatic. Little did he realise what actually happened. Anyway, uh, so I, I kept on reading my books at night, under the literally under the bed sheet covers, and um, I thought I'd go really poorly in the HSC because I spent so much time on reading my religious books rather than studying my physics and chemistry and maths and all that. Anyway, so um, I kept on buying these books by San Alfonso Liguri, and one, one day um, the person that got on the phone from the bookshop was a different person from the usual fellow. Anyway... This second fellow said to me, um, after I asked him about some St. Alphonsus Liguri books, he said, um, ah, you're the, you're the Alphonsus Liguri man. Yeah, well, tell me your story. And he said, you sound really young. You know, how old are you? <laughs> I said, oh, I'm 16 or 17, whatever it was. And he said, um, what what nationality are you in? What is, what's your background? And I, I didn't really know what he was talking about. I said, what, what do you mean? I said, I, I live in Australia. <laughs> he said, yeah, but yeah, what's, what's your cultural background? Your, really, you know, your racial background? And I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm an Aussie. And he said, um, oh, I thought you might have been Lebanese or Italian or something like that. <laughs> he said, what, what are you doing reading San Alfonso Liguri for? Anyway, I had a bit of a conversation about that. And he said to me, would you like to learn the philosophy and theology of St. Thomas Aquinas? And I honestly thought he was speaking a different language. So I just said to him, what? What was that? Were you speaking English? He said, yeah, of course I was. I said, what did you say again? He said, would you like to learn the philosophy and theology of St. Thomas Aquinas? And I had no idea what he was talking about. Anyway, he taught me for two years over the phone before I ever met him. Wow. And I kept those conversations very secret um, and hidden from mum and dad because uh, out of fear that they were afraid that I was going to become a religious fanatic. And uh, eventually he invited me to go to some classes. So I went to Monday night classes in the city for 13 years and Friday night classes at uh, Beverly Hills uh, run by Alice Nelson, my dear teacher. And, um, yeah, I did that for six years on the Friday night. And uh, after about three years of doing this, 
No, dad, dad said to me, I'm going to let you go to these classes so long as you do one thing. And this was such a providential moment in my life. He said to me, you can only go to these classes. I was very young at the time. You can only go to these classes so long as you come back and you tell your mother and I exactly what you were taught on that night. He didn't realise how important that was for my life, especially as a teacher, because what we would do, my brother and sister and I, we would travel an hour to each one of those venues on Monday and Friday night. And travelling to the venue and then coming home, we'd be talking about the class, we'd be talking about what was taught at the class. And then in the in, uh, in the following morning, so on Saturday morning after the Friday night class or sometime during the week after the Monday night class, we'd have a conversation with mum and dad and, and we'd have to be trying to convey what our teachers had taught us. And this really taught me well about how to actually talk to people about the faith because mm. um, it's one one thing to hear about it it's another thing to be able to actually talk about it and then it's another thing to be able to read about it and understand what you're reading and then it's another thing to be able to write it so um anyway after about three years of doing this dad finally said to me he said well son i i knew when i sent you to school that there was something wrong i i, I could tell that you weren't getting the Catholic faith, but I didn't really know why because I, I didn't know what was going on in school. He said to me, thank God someone like Alice and John Ziegler, my other teacher, thank, thank God someone's teaching the Catholic faith here in Sydney. And he said this to me, he said, Andrew, I want you to learn the faith as best as you possibly can and teach as many people as you possibly can. So he, he'd done a complete 180 um, <laughs> turnaround and, and just supported me um, so much. Um and just really encouraged me to go to these classes. So for 13 years, uh, my brother, sister and I, we went to classes uh, in the city run by people from the Centre for Thomistic Studies who themselves were taught for 20 years by a very famous priest here in Sydney. His name was Father Austin Woodbury. He died in 1979 and he, uh, in 1945, uh, he founded the Aquinas Academy um, in Wynyard, uh, just associated with St. Patrick's Church, uh, Church Hill. And um, in its heyday, he, he taught up to 600 people a week, and they were just lay people who wanted to learn more about the philosophy and theology of St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, and he, he'd start out a year with uh, up to 200 people in his class. Um, and he taught my teachers for 20 years every night of the week during university time. Uh, wow. So he was a phenomenal teacher um, and he, he wrote uh, many, many uh, texts in philosophy and theology and his, his course in philosophy was renowned in his own lifetime as, as being the greatest course in philosophy ever written in the English language. So uh, I pretty much made it my mission to, to learn this as best as I possibly could because I could see its power, I could see its value uh, and I can see how important it was and important it is for, for people to learn sound philosophy because everyone philosophizes, everyone attempts to try and understand the world, but not everyone gets the correct answers to, to mm. the questions associated with that, that pursuit. Uh, but I could see that um, uh, St Thomas definitely did have the right answers and does have the right answers and and so that, that's why I pursued studying him. And then, um, you know, uh, just last year, I, I um, sort of came to a, a completion, so to speak, and I, I finally uh, finished my doctorate in theology. Um, 
What's the uh, what did you do it on? What was yeah, it? I wrote it on uh, St Thomas Aquinas and Joseph Ratzinger, so Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, and uh, the topic was the comparing the two of them in their understanding of how God reveals, so their revelation theology, um, and I uh, found. Uh, that it was a very, very interesting study because um, without him really pursuing it and um, intending to do this, Ratzinger's understanding of how God reveals uh, is congruent with St. Thomas's, but he takes St. Thomas's understanding just that extra step further uh, without him realising that he had done that because, as most people know, Ratzinger um, wasn't a Thomist, so to speak. Um, so it's very... Very beautiful what they both have to say about the nature of how God reveals. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks for that. That's a big snapshot. Uh, so the journey, I mean, post-high school, you were diving into learning this for the first time um, yeah. and, and you pretty much uh, you stuck with it for 13 years, as you said. Um, and I remember, I think it was oh, 19 years ago myself, uh, 2000, the year 2000, 20 years ago, uh, was my first introduction to it when I first came back to the church. Uh, this is when they had the courses on in the city. Uh, there was an Anglican school or something like that there. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, uh, really got a lot out of it. And I think I was only 19 at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I totally get it. Important age, uh, get those foundations right and, Absolutely. Uh, and build. What might be interesting in this short time we got together is um, a bit about, uh, I guess, what different what differentiates this style of teaching and, and, and sort of these concepts to what we typically would get um, in, in universities today or elsewhere? Um, I'd love to give our listeners and viewers a little taste of um, what you're talking about. I mean, what made this Dr. Woodbury so special, um, mm. who many people may not know who he is at all. Um, and so uh, to, just hearing you now, 600 people on one night, this is phenomenal, mm. especially for Sydney standards. Um, uh, but what a legacy is, is left. Uh, let, can we touch on, and you've now developed courses built on what you've learnt and you've got a whole mm. range of courses that you've de- delivered over the years. Um, mm. Where do we start? What's a good little little taste for someone? Uh, when you say how God reveals, what would, how would Dr. Woodbury address that? What, what would be um, just a little taste of, of what we're talking about here? Uh, there are many questions in that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me start with this. Uh, why study philosophy? Yeah. Um, it's important for everyone to study philosophy, but study true philosophy. Um, and the measure of whether or not a philosophy is true or not is, is it actually lived? Not can you live it, but is it lived? Does everyone actually live that philosophy? Um, Woodbury used to say to his students, I don't want you to walk away from my classes knowing that something is true. I want you to be able to see why it must be true and cannot be false. In other words, what Woodbury did and what St. Thomas does and what Aristotle did was um, they reduced everything back to the first principles of reason, the first self-evident principles of reason. Uh, and, and as a consequence of being able to do that, they're able to critique other philosophies, other doctrines, and show where they are wrong, not just because we don't like the proponents of those philosophies, 
or because they come from a different country or a different era, they speak a different language or, or some sort of subjective prejudice. No, we're able to cr critique false philosophies because um, we're able to show how they violate the first principles of reason. I'll give you a very good example. The philosophy of idealism basically says this, the human intellect cannot know external reality as it is in itself. So the chair that's sitting there in the room, can the human intellect know what that thing is? Well, the philosophy of idealism would say no. No, all that we can know are the ideas that we have of external reality. So we can't know external reality as it is in itself. Now, that doctrine of idealism is founded, this is the point, it's founded upon a violation, an implicit violation of the first principle of reason. First principle of reason is this. Whatever is, whatever it is, it is what it is. And it can't be something other than what it is, whatever it is, what it is. Okay. So a chair can't be a chair and not a chair at the same time under the same respect. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the principle of identity and the principle of non-contradiction. So how does idealism violate that? Well, idealism says this. The human intellect, this is what it is. It can't know the natures of things. Well, in enunciating that doctrine, hasn't the enunciator violated the very, the very foundation of that doctrine? He has. Why? He says this, this is the nature of the human intellect, that it can't know the natures of things. But damn it, you've just told me what the nature of the human intellect is. Yeah. <laughs> so you've said something and denied it at the same time and under the same respect. The doctrine destroys itself. And that's how true philosophy is able to critique false philosophy. Okay. So everyone tries to philosophize, but not all philosophers get it right because some philosophies are self-contradictory and therefore cannot stand in their own two feet. And so this is what um, Aristotle and St. Thomas uh, were able to do. They, they took everything that they said right back to their first principles and showed how they are, they are not irrational but, but very much founded on the principles of reality. Um, what I find, Shabal, in uh, most manners of teaching philosophy in, in the modern Western world is that they start in the wrong place. They start from modern philosophy rather than starting from Aristotle and St. Thomas. Um, I'll tell you this story. I had a, a conversation with a, a professor of philosophy in the United States, a three-hour conversation. She said to me, uh, a little bit technical, but I'll say it anyway. She said to me, look, Andrew, I, I know that you're a Thomist. I, I know that you follow St. Thomas and you studied him a lot. Um, I want to accept um, something that St. Thomas says. I actually want to accept it. And what she wanted to accept was where St. Thomas says that in created realities, their being, their existence is not the same as their essence. There's a real distinction there. She said, I, I want to accept that. I just can't accept it. I had a three-hour conversation with her about this. In wow. the end, I, I ended, ended up saying this to her. I said, can I ask you, 
When you started studying philosophy at university, with whom did you begin? I said, was it Rene Descartes, the founder of modern philosophy? And she said, yes. I said, aha, a small error in the beginning leads to a large one in the end. She said, yes, I know that. I just can't get out of that error. Wow. What a devastating thing to say. Now, she's a, a professor of philosophy in a Catholic seminary over there in the United States. Very, very uh, uh, well-intended, uh, faithful person. But philosophically, she even admits to herself that she's standing on shaky ground. Wow. So it's extremely important to start with Aristotle and St. Thomas. Another little, another little story. Fulton Sheen was, was asked once, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, a lot of your listeners would know about him. He was Absolutely. asked once, what's the secret to your success? You know, how have you had so much success? And he said, well, I make sure that I visit our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament every day, which I, which I have since I was in seminary. Secondly, I read all the literature of the modern day and then I throw it all in the bin and I go back to St. Thomas and Aristotle to see where they're right and where they're wrong. <laughs> so in other words, what he's saying is this, I have to found, I have to um, plant my, my thinking feet, so to speak, on solid ground. And the only way you can do that is to plant them on the philosophy, the perennial philosophy of Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas. Amazing. What a legacy they've left. And um, yeah. you're right. It's still to today, St. Thomas is known as one of the greatest, right? The, the Summa Theologica is still the greatest piece of literature ever written. Yeah. Um, outs, I mean, outside of the Bible, of course, when you, but uh, yeah, my goodness, yeah. he covered so much. If someone is watching this and they're thinking, okay, I don't understand what's going on here. Where, where do I start? Um, uh, where, where do you recommend people begin um, to start? Uh, yeah, um, people vary in different ages. You've got young, you know, high school right up to uh, retired age. Um, what are, where can we start uh, on our journey if we know that we're on solid ground? Um, well, there are two approaches to the truth, like there are two approaches with a child studying mathematics. He can either try to plough through the textbook or he can go to the answers in the back of the book, can't he? Mm -hmm. And once he knows the answers, then he can work through the work through the solution and work out how one comes to those answers. Well, Aristotle wasn't completely right. You know, there are there are some he was he was extraordinary with what he did, but he didn't have the answers in the back of the book. Whereas St. Thomas had the answers to the whole of reality in the back of the book. What's the back of the book? The back of the book is divine revelation. So because St. Thomas heeded what God had revealed and he could see that the only way we can know what God has revealed by heeding what the church teaches, okay, because he, he heeded what the church teaches and he accepted divine revelation, he knew that any philosophy for it to be true, can't violate what God has revealed. So ironically, paradoxically, what I'd say the best thing to do for a beginner would be understand the truths of the Catholic faith. And once you understand the truths of the Catholic faith, as, as written up in the, the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, once you've understood that, you've got the answers in the back of the book for philosophy. 
let alone what philosophy can't know, things of theology. And so then once, you, once you're thinking in a, in a philosophical manner, in a philosophical theological manner, then you can actually start to study some quality philosophy. And I would start by reading some basic books on, on St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, Peter Crift has, has yes. a, a few really good books on St. Thomas. Get to understand who St. Thomas was and you know, what he actually did. Befriend him. And once you've befriended him, then you'll start to understand what he's, what he's writing about and the importance of what he's saying. Very good. But also re recognise too that Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, if you want the answers to the, deep, to the deep things in life, you have to be prepared to give your life to that, you know. It's not something that you're just going to pick up as a hobby and put it down tomorrow and say, oh, you know, I've done that, tick that box. That's What's right. better in life? No, philosophy and theology are the, the substance of life because that's what we're made to be. Man is a, is a philosophical animal. Man is the theological animal. Uh, everything we do has a theological and a philosophical um, tone to it, you know. Um, so it's, it's something, if you want the truth, you've got to commit your life to it. Wow. Now, now you, um, you, you've spent many years, uh, the famous St. Um, John Centre for Biblical Studies, you, had, you did lots of scripture courses and you've been doing them. Uh, you know, you've gone through the Gospels, you've, you've done uh, Old Testament introductions, you've done salvation history, you've done quite a bit. Um, what, why, uh, why did you go down that line um, and what, what sort of things have you covered in that space and how does scripture now I guess, as you, you touched on here, uh, the answers at the back of the book, philosophy linked with scripture. Um, now, we've got the catechism is one part. Where mm. does scripture fit and uh, how would you say best to approach that? Okay. Well, St. Thomas's profession was to, to be a master of the sacred page. So back in uh, medieval times, a theologian, his job was to expound sacred scripture, to comment on sacred scripture. Um, and so to be um, a good theologian, you have to be steeped in the word of God. Um, and this is why the Second Vatican Council's dogmatic constitution on divine revelation, Dave Urban said, uh, tapping into an ancient Christian tradition, the soul of theology is sacred scripture. Uh, and the reason why is because, as Ratzinger says, um, when God became man in Christ, Scripture became flesh. <laughs> so, because He's the Word of God Himself. Yes. And so, the New Testament, the New Testament, isn't a bunch of books. The twenty-seven books in the back of the Bible. <laughs> the New Testament is a person. So how do we contact that person? Yes. We contact that person through Scripture, but Scripture read through the eyes of the church and the way in which the church has always interpreted Scripture because Scripture comes from the, from the heart of the church. So I can't pit Scripture against the church and nor can I pit Scripture against sound philosophy because Scripture is talking about the deep things of reality and philosophy's, um, philosophy's pursuit 
is to understand reality as deeply as hu as the human intellect without divine revelation can actually understand it. So those three things go hand in hand, and those three things um, were most beautifully held hand in hand by St Thomas Aquinas. So to be a Thomist, one would have a desire to have a, the best possible understanding of sacred scripture. To be a Thomist is not just to be a good philosopher, but to be a Thomist is to be not also just a good theologian, but a great mystic, you know, a saint. So any good biography of St Thomas Aquinas would first say this, St Thomas was a great scholar, but he was a great saint too, you know. <laughs> Amen to that, absolutely. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you. We're only wetting the appetites here and, and giving people a very slight introduction. Mm. Um, I hold in my hands one of the books you've authored. Um, this is Christ the Saviour, A Course on Christology. Now, this is sort of applying everything you've learned. You've got um, your, your foundation, philosophy. You've got your scriptural background. But just a little bit about this book. Uh, why did you do it? What is this about? What is Christology? Um, mm -hmm. Let's, let's start with that. What is Christology and then why did you, what's this course? Okay, so Christology is the study of Christ. Um, St. Thomas in his famous Summa Theologica, he breaks it up into three parts. So you have the first part, the second part, and the third part. The second part itself is divided into two parts. And there's a reason why St. Thomas has these three parts. The reason is this. He recognises that all things have come from God. So the first part of the Summa considers how everything that is, apart from God, emanates from God, comes from God. Okay. The second part of the Summa considers how all created things have their destiny, their end in God, so their orientation back to God. So there's what's called in Latin the exodus, the coming out from God, yeah. and the reditus, the return back to God. Okay. But I said St. Thomas has three parts to his sermon. So we can see the, the need for the first part and the need for the second part. Well, what about the third part? Well, the third part, St. Thomas says, talks about our adequate means of coming back to God, our bridge back to God. So what's the, what's the means? What's the adequate bridge that gets us back to God? That's Christ. So Christology, in a way, is the culmination of theology, uh, and it's what St Thomas talks about in his famous third part. And in that, he, he incorporates sacramental theology because the sacraments are an extension of the mission of Christ. So we come back to God through our way, the way back to God, that's Christ, and the sacraments are an extension of him, and the church is an extension of him. Um, so Christology is, is, um, is the study of Christ, uh, which incorporates um, his redemptive activities uh, and how he redeems. How does Christ actually bring us back to God? And the way in which he brings us back to God is by grafting us into himself. So I receive, this is one of the, the points of my doctorate dissertation, I receive the individual believer receives divine revelation by entering into Christ himself. The next question is, is, well, how do I actually do that? How does one enter into Christ himself? We do this by entering into the life, faith, and teaching, 
especially as manifest in the church's liturgy, the life, faith, and teaching of the church. Because the life, faith, and teaching of the church, as Ratzinger says, is what's called the Christ event. Okay? So Christology is extremely important. Um, St. Jerome would used to say, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. If I may, I'd like to add to that. Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ, but ignorance of Christ is ignorance of self. You can never know fully who you are, who you've been or what you've been called to be, apart from a deep, intimate knowledge and love, union with Jesus Christ, the person of Christ. That's why every true Thomist must be a mystic, have a deep personal union with the person of Jesus Christ. So Christology is um, absolutely essential for the human person. Wow. Well, that, thanks for sharing that. I mean, this is, is this book uh, that I'm holding my hands something, do you have to do the whole course? But basically, could you get the book on its own and read it? Um, or do you need it? Is this sort of ideally just accompanying a, a face-to-face class? Yeah, look, it, it, I mean, yeah, any book you can pick it up and read it. Whether or not you'd actually understand what the author's intention is, you might misunderstand. You know, there, there are many people that claim to be Thomas that uh, have misunderstood St. Thomas. Um, this is why you actually need a good teacher. So mm. I would highly recommend that to get the most out of that book. And that's just really just a, uh, a beginner's introduction to uh, essential important aspects about Christology. I'd say the best thing to do is do the course. I don't currently at this stage, run the course in Christology. Uh, I plan to in the future. I don't actually run any courses now because of the COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all yeah. my courses Over. were banned. So, uh, yeah, but hopefully uh, in the not-too-distant future, I'll be able to run that, that course in Christology again. Maybe we'll get you to do it online uh, via Zoom, via this platform we're using now. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> we'll work out a way. Um, well, th- you, you've uh, you, you've done quite a bit, yeah. I've, I've got the... The whole Gospels. I'm I'm privileged to be partnered with Perusia and, and yourself uh, with all your uh, CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've even got a range of DVDs. Um, uh, you know, single topics you've covered. I have to say, I, I can't sort of uh, put you in a box here. Uh, you've you've covered so much, um, and it. Mm. But just hearing you today, it, it means uh, it's coming from a real solid foundation. And you're, and it sounds like you just sort of. Uh, embraced it right away as soon as you were exposed to to this um to dr woodbury uh that sort of laid a, a strong foundation in your personal spiritual life but then the way you think uh, it, just tell us this, uh, as we close but you know we'll wrap up uh here soon um uh the, the importance critical just thinking um the, the way you think is different to the average catholic um mm. and why is that i mean when you look at life and look at things uh, analyzing things what 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 what's going on there? The way you look at it is different because mm. of the way Saint Aquinas and uh, and and uh, Aristotle yeah. also also did. Uh, it, it's it's been the greatest blessing of my life, but it's been the bane of my existence too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to build those bridges with people. I think I think what generally happens to most people in the modern world through going to school, mm-hmm. they get exposed to a certain form of science. The English word science comes from the Latin word scientia, which means knowledge, not just any kind of knowledge, but certain knowledge, knowledge which when you 
uh, knowledge of which you know is true, you have certainty about it. But the type of science that most people for the last probably 100 years or more has have been exposed to just by going to school is the lowest level of science. It's called experimental science. Sciences such as physics, chemistry, biology, um, geology, these sorts of things, astronomy. And the experimental sciences, all of them, they are, what, they are called experimental because everything they speak of has its root in or um, everything they speak of can only be accessible to the to the external senses, sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch. In other words, if you can't see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, or hear it, experimental science doesn't deal with it. But yet, in our daily lives, we necessarily want to know important things that you can't see, smell, taste, touch, or hear, such as what's the nature of truth? What's the nature of falsity? What's the nature of friendship and love, mercy? What indeed is even the nature of science? What is science? So we have these, these questions that all of us want to know the answers to that experimental science is agnostic about, can't know anything about it because you can't verify these things in the five external senses. Some or many people in my life have said this to me, Andrew, unless I can see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, and hear it, it doesn't exist. I'd say, okay, great. That very doctrine, which is called sensism, that very doctrine, what does it smell like? What colour is it? What weight is it? In other words, can your five external senses even, even know the doctrine of sensism? No. Okay, so sensism doesn't exist. Okay, there's another clear violation of the principle, the first principles of reason. So why do I think differently? Uh, I think differently because I've been educated, not trained. There's a difference between training and education, Shovel. What do you mean? Okay, so uh, my, my grandfather was a drover and he had many cattle dogs. He trained the cattle dog. So is, is, is being trained, what, what's training good for? Is it good for the trainer or the trainee? To train the dog is good for the trainer, the drover, whereas education is under the betterment of the educated, not the educator. So um, I haven't been trained in philosophy. That would smack of being brainwashed. No, I've been educated educated to think philosophically. What does it mean to think philosophically? It means to be able to um, reduce everything to the first principles of reason, to be able to reason things clearly, re reason things out based upon sound principles. Um, and everyone needs to be able to do that. Not all of us can be philosophers. I, I accept that, you know, for a variety of reasons. But we all should know some sound philosophy. And the more people understand and practice, speak of sound philosophy, the more congenial our world will be. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because it's error that frustrates us. When I can't speak properly about something, I'll invariably end up in disagreement with someone. <laughs> 
And so you'll often hear the modern catchphrase of let's just agree to disagree. Yeah, that's true. Well, what a sad thing that is. St. Thomas and Aristotle would never, ever say that. Uh, thanks for, for saying I mean, in a world of relativism right now, um, and, uh, and the man himself, you quoted Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, was famous saying the dictatorship of relativism, this idea of, you know, what's true for you is not necessarily true for me, yeah. basically ripping out from the foundations this idea of objective truth and once yeah. you do that, you, you, you're really stuck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, what he's saying is that um, as soon as we forsake man's capability of attaining the truth, we necessarily um, fall into a brutality, the brutality of violence. So therefore, might becomes right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, the truth is attainable and the truth is beautiful too. It's worth giving your life to. Amen to that. Look, I, I, um, a very a closing comment. It, before we close, I want to invite anyone listening to get in touch with all your resources. Well, stacks of single CDs, uh, uh, DVDs and all that. We're going to do a special for people watching. Uh, it's exclusive to those who actually are watching this or listening to this. All they have to do is um, go to the website. They search at, at the perusiamedia.com, click on store, search Andrew Wood. All your products will come up and they... Um, Anything they like, uh, your whole range, if they just put in uh, PP, which is for Perusia Podcast, and AW, so PP, AW for Andrew Wood, they will get 20% off all the things um, we have on your and our store right now just to give a push for people to start uh, to get to know your way of what, what you've learned and, 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 um, and taught as well. And I think it will be important people take this seriously, take their their faith and just their, their worldview to the next level um, and understand it. Um, this book is, this, I think we're down to the last few copies, but we're going to talk about a new release of this down the track and, and stay tuned for that. But that's, uh, that's our Perusia podcast special, um, the Andrew Wood sale. It's only going to last for one month. So by the end of this month, 30 days from when this is launched, um, they will be able to, to access that. And the idea is to stimulate people to get um, into, uh, I guess, this idea of, think the way of thinking and learn um, as much as they can. Out of your range, where should people start? So what's one title? Let's, let's, let's pluck one thing. You've done like things on scripture. So um, Salvation History is one I can think of. This is a great mm -hmm. summary. Um, yeah. But uh, you've done a whole range of others. Uh, where would you think would be the first CD mm -hmm. <laughs> putting on the spot? For the average uh, person out there, oh look, I'd say uh, any one of the single CDs on the Gospels yep. um, that I've got. Um, They're fantastic. Yeah, look, I, I I've taught the Gospels many times. Uh, I'm firmly convinced that most Christians really do not have much of an idea of what the Gospels actually are. Yep. That's not necessarily a fault of their own. I think it's it's more because of our exposure to them and our exposure to them is just by receiving snippets of them um, when we go to mass or if we're not a Catholic, when we, when we go to church um, and just by receiving just snippets here and there, you're invariably going to be taking things out of context unwittingly. And so this is why I, I uh, uh, produce those one-off talks to try and give the, the, the main plot, the storyline, behind mm. the four Gospels, and then I've got my uh, full-blown courses where I, I take take people through the whole whole of the Gospel. 
Uh, I think the Gospels are, are very, very important. Um, and if I was asked, it was pressed to to give an answer, well, which, which one of those four? You know, I've just got $5 to spend. Which one of those yeah. four? I'd say start with the Gospel of Mark because okay. um, it's extremely exciting. Not that the others aren't, but Mark grabs you. Yeah, the shortest yeah. gospel. Yeah, the, the shortest the, gospel. Yeah, it gets gets the point very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a reason well, for great. that. There's a reason for that. Okay, all right. There you go. Well, that's that's something to take home, everybody. Gospel mm-hmm. of Mark. Get get access to it, um, and and start from there. Start your faith journey uh, there, and and explore. And get in touch with us if you want to know more about uh, when once things settle with the uh, the whole virus. Um, hopefully, then that the face to face courses will be up and running again. It will will let let you know about that. If I want I to just, thank you. Uh, yes. Sorry, John, if I could just have a plug about the, the Wednesday night courses at um, St. Patrick's Cathedral. Uh, last year, I, I, I've been giving courses uh, probably for nearly 20 years. Uh, I've been to New Zealand six times, both North and South Island, and uh, most of my courses have been running for 12 hours each, but I wanted to step it up last year, so last year I, I decided to have um, full uh, a full year course and so we ran two courses last year uh, one hour each on Wednesday night so we'd go from seven till nine um, and it because uh, it's important if you want to study theology to first study philosophy the first course on the night so from seven till eight is a philosophy course and the second course on the night from se- uh, from eight till nine is a theology course so before uh, COVID-19 came around we were doing an introduction to philosophy this year uh, followed by uh, a course in theology, um, the the Gospel of Mark. Oh, sorry, the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew first. So that was going to run for one semester, and then the Gospel of Mark for the second semester. But uh, very important to study um, study the history of philosophy to to understand where we are today and why. Um, and so we were getting up to around about fifty people each night. Uh, it was great. It's yeah, great. It's a good turnout. Yeah. And they take, I'm getting feedback from all, uh, many of them uh, about how good it is and, and how much, how important it is that we do more of this. And, and yeah. so praying, I'm asking for the listeners and viewers to pray for an intention of ours. Uh, we're working on something um, at Perusia and we hope to have something formalised for next year, uh, but please pray for that uh, intention. We'll reveal more down the track, but uh, uh, we need to take education to that next level and, and let, let it be accessible to as many people as possible. So what, once that's up and running, how will people know about those courses, um, Doc? Is it via your Facebook page? Yeah, via the Facebook page, yeah. We, we send out notifications via Facebook page. Um, that, at the moment, sadly, is probably the, the best way. Um, that's just your but, name, Andrew Wood? Yeah, yep. I, I believe it is. My wife okay. looks after it, I don't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, once we know, we'll let it out as well. Be on the Perusia Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. Also, we'll, we'll be on uh, Perusia too. Yeah. Stay in touch. Well, thank you so much for joining us, um, yeah. and uh, and I'd love to get you on down the track, and maybe we will hit a topic, a specific topic, and and really unpack it, and 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 uh, and hope you can stay safe during this time, uh, and and uh, blessings to you and your beautiful family as well. Yeah, thanks, Shaul. Thank you. You too. Uh, that's another Perusia podcast. I'm Shaul Raish, and please keep in touch with us. Uh, again, this is on all the uh, podcasting platforms. Uh, we're on Podbeam. Uh, and if you're using uh, the Apple platforms or, or Android, search for Perusia Podcast and you'll be able to get access to all these. And, of course, on our website, perusiamedia.com. Thanks again. Until the next guest, have a blessed time. God bless. Mm-hmm.